Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hello, Zoe and Chris show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today we have a special guest on the podcast. It's been a while since there's been uh, Lo and Zoe and a guest. Um, a couple weeks ago, I I interviewed Lo's partner, which was really fun. And so I feel like it's really great for us to be introducing some new energy to the podcast, getting some flow in here. And what better flow could we have than Chris, who I met literally like flowing in Florence in a yoga class um, previously from Bali. So we've got Chris Walker on the podcast today. I just am guessing that those of you listening, some of you have been to Bali before on your travels and perhaps have attended a yoga class with Chris because that's how the universe works. So Chris, I'd love it if you take a moment to introduce yourself. What is up? Yes, uh, my name is Chris Walker, um, yoga teacher, human connection lover, human connection coach, and also podcast host. Um, my podcast is called Being Human with Chris Walker. And for me, it's just the essence of, of everything. It's just like we're just in this. I wish it wasn't a battle, but I'm going to use that word because that feels like the word that's alive for me. This battle to be like, oh, how can I be the human being that I really want to be this true me on the inside versus the human being that everybody told me I was supposed to be. And that can be a gentle push and pull. And that can be like going to fucking war. Um, and so that's for me, I want to support myself in that journey and support other people in that journey. Um, well, I'm so excited to meet you, Chris. And I want to first just ask, you know, like we've done a couple of episodes now that were titled something about being your unapologetic self. And they still are some of our like, like they're in the top five, these two episodes. And we've done like well over a hundred episodes now, because I think this is something that people really resonate with is just like really honoring yourself and everything that I've heard from you so far, you know, this is really what you help people to do. And before we got on, you were talking a bit about just your own journey through like really um, embracing who you are. And I'd love to know what has been your journey that has brought you to this place where now you are coaching people and, and kind of helping them within that realm. I wish that it was something other than I hit rock bottom. Um, <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm okay with that being the, uh, the, the storyline, but yeah, I, so there's a lot of life that happened before me. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm like, I think back on my past and I'm just like, how many lives have I lived? Um, so uh, I used to be, uh, I was an engineering major in college. Um, I did tech sales for about 11 and a half year corporate career before I quit my job. And I was married. And in this combination of things, there was just this if you are successful, or it used to be when I was an athlete. So as an athlete, if you win, or if you make the team, and then you win, you're a part of a team, you're a part of a group, you're a part of this winner's group. And no matter how different you are, um, you're a part of it. So you're, you you belong. And then being an athlete and being on teams turns on to turns into being on a sales team, being in the corporate world. But again, if you win, you are you belong to the winner's team it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter what you sound like people can think you're a fucking asshole but if you win you're at least you no one can take that away from you no one can take the the physical to metaphorical trophy off of your desk and so that led a life that was put that as a need to belong and we all know we have a core yearningness to belong to be attached to feel connection to feel love and that just drove me into 
what was checking a lot of what I what I, what were society's boxes versus my own. And that led to huge amounts of anxiety in my life. Just basically almost every day, the four to five o'clock in the morning, the anxiety starts going about a deal, about a this, about a that, about something outside of me that fast forward could not have ever known this in the present moment. But fast forward, it was just destroying me. It was so like the idea of presence was like, you like, like that didn't, that wasn't even a concept that I could even fundamentally conceive. Um, but there was a certain point, my ex-wife used to always be, I used to hate traffic, not like road rage, like punch somebody, but road rage, like punch my steering wheel, throw my phone against the window. I smashed a phone on my dashboard one time. And my ex-wife was just like, why? Why is it so? Because I have to get there as fast as possible. I need to win the driving game right now. And after maybe a half a dozen of those moments, I just began to really think like, well, why do I do the things that I do? Why, why, am, why is it so important for me for her to get there on time? Why do I not want to waste time doing this? Why is efficiency? And I just really began to see all these areas in which it was like, oh, this is a win that shows I'm doing good. And we stack up these, I'm doing good, then maybe I will be good or consider myself being good. And I do not use this next phrase lightly and I do not use it often, but these are all the essence of when you have a lack of understanding of what self-love is to think that there's something outside of me that is going to validate me or that's going to make me feel like I'm enough versus how can I figure that out about myself? How can I truly begin to actually believe, not just say it out loud, but believe like, oh, all that is important exists within me. Because it sounds like a great bumper sticker. It's within, your power is within. But like to actually believe it and feel it is way different than like saying it or putting the meme on your Instagram story. Uh, and I just really realized that 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 lack of that was was driving me away from me and was also just driving me to a, a very unfriendly crash to rock bottom. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. And I want to ask you because it sounds like and something that we speak into a lot and, and a lot lately on the Lomenzo show is regulation of the nervous system. So I'm curious how how hitting that rock bottom and finding yoga and any other tools you feel called to share, what's your journey been like regulating and healing the nervous system? So the funny ass shit is I, when I started doing yoga and, and these stories, I didn't even know what, I, I didn't even know the nervous system was like a, a thing. Like, I'm like, did they talk about that in like biology 101 in college? Like I couldn't tell you anything. I might've even heard of fight or flight, but not more like the story about like some person gets in a car accident, they rip their door off. Like, like not like really not knowing nothing about the nervous system. The only thing that I would have associated with at that time was like, oh, regulating my anxiety. And that was what I smoked pot for. So, you know, coming from California, oh, weed's so good for you. It helps with all this. It's way better than antidepressants or yada, yada, yada. So, but I realized like I was heavily numbing myself. And what I would say now is to regulate my nervous system, to allow me to cope with all the shit that was going on in life. You know, I just smoked a bunch of pot. Um, you know, it'd be like, oh, we're going to go eat. Let's smoke pot. We're going to go watch a movie. Let's smoke pot. Oh, got an argument with my ex-wife. Let's smoke some weed. And then the, and then you realize that like you have that I'm not in control of what I would now say is regulating my nervous system. And it was, I found yoga very, <laughs> I still laugh at this story. 
I was in Eastern Europe and I was basically just partying my ass off with my brother and two of my friends, like partying till sunrise, three weeks straight, traveling from Hungary through Croatia into Montenegro. It was fun, but I did know that this is not sustainable. This is not, I don't, I don't want to, this isn't the way that I want to live my life. This is a holiday. And so I decided like, we'll do a hard stop when I get back. And a hard stop was I'm going to, I decided to quit drinking, quit eating meat and got get off social media for 30 days and go to the gym for 30 days. And on the second to last day of this trip, I dislocated my baby toe jumping off of a dock drunk in Montenegro. And then I had this was like, oh, you can't go to the gym on nine toes. I always wanted to be more flexible. I'll go, um, I'll go do yoga for these 30 days. And that's what got me on the mat. And the thing that I think kept me on the mat was like, oh, when you're focused on something that's really new, that's focused on, I wouldn't call it at that time, conscious breathing, but the ability to just breathe and move and be disconnected from the outcome because you suck at it. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. So it's like, I couldn't pretend to be good. So I'm like, oh, like my ego just immediately went in check because they're just like, eh, you don't even know how to win this game. And that was the beginning for me of, oh, there's a thing that is actually naturally calming me down. There's a thing that is making me be more connected to this physical body and then as well as the mental body, the emotional body, even though at that time I didn't know it was doing that. Wow. Okay. I love that. I mean, the universe works in mysterious ways. The body manifests <laughs> things, even injuries sometimes to lead us exactly where we're meant to be. <laughs> I love, I love, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you with your toe, but it led you to exactly where you were meant to be. It's like uh, the craziest thing is I actually haven't even thought about this. I was talking to my brother a while ago, but we were in, we went from Croatia to Montenegro and I had these little water shoes that help you get grip and they were wet because we were cliff jumping in in Dubrovnik um, off like the side of the old city castle and they were wet so I left them outside of our Airbnb and then we had to pack and get to the ferry and we were running late to so I left them there so the funny thing is if I hadn't have left them there I would have been wearing them on the boat and when I did the dumb jumping off the dock I would have been wearing the shoes and I wouldn't have slipped so it's like funny that I'm like if you hadn't lost those shoes you would never have found yoga. And I, that's like the, how random little tiny things are. And I just sometimes just like laugh, like, oh, those water shoes, everything mm -hmm. that is my life today is only because I left water shoes outside of my Airbnb in Dubrovnik. Well, in the episode that we just recorded, we were, that will come up before this one. Um, we were talking about like really allowing for the magic of life to reveal itself to you. And it is those like, small little things that, you know, it, it was an episode about releasing control, basically. And I think an invaluable tool in being able to do that is practice presence based practices like yoga or meditation or physical activity, like whatever, what is because you said, like, before this chapter, or these chapters, the mindfulness based chapters of your life, you didn't even understand like the concept of being present. What is your relationship like with it now? It is the most important and most challenging process that is never perfect and is never ending. Um, I think when we think about presence, 
in our life. Um, there's just nothing more important. If um, for my for me, my love, my number one love language is quality time because no matter what we say that's out there, like me giving you an unconditional amount of my presence to somebody else, like there's no greater gift that we can give anybody else because that's the only thing that we can't like. There's it's a non-renewable. No one's gonna take this hour. We can't get this hour back. So what we, the amount of presence that we can bring. And for me, that's like the, the tactical side of presence. But then it's also when you begin to think about presence, it's just like when ugh, trying to even, it's so funny. I was like, it's like, so it's like so alive for me right now. That I'm like almost at like the loss for words because uh, it's these two other sides of presence are where me suffering happens. Suffering happens with our connection or our resistance to letting the things that have already happened happen. It's just like, if it, or obsessing about the future. So I use this analogy of like, we, everyone has their favorite movie and their favorite movie is a combination of a horror, comedy, drama, action film. And that movie is the story of our life. And we are always thinking about that movie. That movie is always there and it's distracting us from the present. What has happened is always distracting us. At the exact same time, we are trying to write that movie's sequel, which is known as our future, which is drifting us into this imaginary thing that hasn't even happened yet. And the feelings of upset or wishing what was or what has been wasn't and hoping that the future will be a certain thing is these distracting moments that take us away from what's actually happening right now. I love yeah. that. I love that, um, like that visual, that analogy, because it's so true. And it's like the most important place to be is the present moment because ev everything exists in the now. And it, it, anything that you could ever possibly need reveals itself in the now. And it's something like Lo and I, we love to tell all things quantum and just like time doesn't exist and all of that. But um, I want to ask you, Chris, based on what you shared with us around the past, the past life with the ch past chapter within the life of having road rage, right? And then coming to this place of really valuing presence, how has your relationship with time changed and how have you released yourself perhaps from timelines? Like I, sh you know, the the, the ego's voice of like, I should be here by then or there, or, you know, I don't have this or that. How have you evolved over time with your relationship with time? Well, the relationship with road rage is, is a work in progress. Um, <laughs> country where everybody is on two wheels is the starting point. Um, so being on a motorcycle, let's just I like to head. <laughs> A hedge it in my favor so like let's just not go to try to bite off too much that we can't chew that we can chew uh i still man i was back in the u.s i hit some la traffic and the phone didn't get smashed so we're we're we are we have evolved but it is <laughs> anything to do with traffic and bad drivers um but <laughs> it's so funny right when you said that my brain almost like turned off of listening to the rest of the question because i was thinking about uh, Sorry, traffic. Um, <laughs> can you, if you can, uh, if you can repeat the back end of the question one more time. Yeah, okay. It's I, a lifelong journey. This, this relationship. I actually do get, I get the road rage thing so much. I lived in Toronto for like eight years and it's like the LA of 
Canada and it's horrible. And so I, I, it's like the best way to learn how to become present and regulate the nervous system to like be okay that it might take you an hour and 15 minutes to get three city blocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Zoe, go ahead. I mean, and I completely understand the Bali side of things because actually it was in Bali where I went through this huge chap. My whole time in Bali, about the two years that I was there, was all about healing anger and rage. And I started to recognize, like, why am I going off in my own mind about these people in front of me or cutting me off or whatever? I'm like, oh, there's there's anger that wants to come through. There's anger that wants to be processed. <laughs> so I completely get that. And I'm certain that if I was tossed back on a, a scooter in Bali right now, I would probably experience similar emotions. Uh, but the question was like, how, how have you released yourself from the timelines of, let's say the collective consciousness of like, I should be here, should be there by then. Um, you know, and you've hit, you hit, let's say milestones in your past career, like you said, like sales and these, these trophies and things like that. But how have you let yourself live life completely on, on your own terms and on your own journey? Yes. So very similar to my answer about road rage. Uh, it's a, <laughs> it is a process, which is maybe why I was laughing so hard because the answer was going to be the same to both of them. But as you repeated again, it's, it's a process. And I still have the conversation of like, what the fuck are you doing with your life, Chris? Like you were making, I topped out at like in about north of $300,000 in a year was in my, in my corporate career. And I took like a 95 plus percent pay cut. I got divorced, which took another chunk of it. And it's just like, I ask that to myself all the time. It's just like, there's moments as a yoga teacher where I've made like less than $400 or $300 in a month. And there's been a lot of those challenges. So I think to start off, it is to honor the fact that these things are real, like the don't to avoid shaming oneself by wherever they're at. I think that, and that applies to so many things, but this one in particular is just like, oh, the, whatever it is that I'm doing, let's not come at this from being upset or shaming me for where I'm at. That is, I think the number one thing. And there is the second thing I think is to find a sense of purpose. So when we have purpose in life, a lot of the shit that actually doesn't matter, we can actually believe that it doesn't matter. When we are living from a place without purpose, all those things matter a whole lot more because it's like, because then that's when the society thinks is, oh, if you have this, oh, if you make enough money to buy the Range Rover, then you're that that will fill you up. But when you actually have a thing that is true purpose, you're like, that I know that this is more important than that. So I consider myself lucky. You know, they always like the idea of having a, first off, everything is relationships. Um, so they're all, they're, you know, it doesn't matter what the, the subject is. Every, we live in a world of relationships. And uh, just like they, they also go, you rebound, you know, oh no, was, was she a rebound? Well, I somehow found the rebound of all rebounds in my career where while I was trying to figure me out, and the end of my corporate career was this Googling how to make a pros and cons list. And after I Googled how to make a pros and cons list, I did a pros and cons list, not just for the job I was in, but my entire career. And I could not believe how few pros existed outside of financial stability. Like, that. that's the list. Like, there were some things like, oh, there were nice people that I met. I love problem solving, but like, things that were associated to just that job 
financial stability was the only true like pro that couldn't be recreated somewhere else. Like you'll have friends everywhere. You'll meet this or you'll have that. Um, but when I found yoga, teaching yoga, it was the thing that I was going to do while I figured out who I was, because I noticed this loop that I was on and going back to the nervous system question is like, when you're doing something that doesn't fulfill you, A, it takes effort and effort that is not connected to purpose for me is where the anxieties and the stress come up because you're just like, oh, that's naturally going to get brought up when you care about something. But if the thing doesn't fill you up at all, then the anxiety is like the loop gets bigger. And it's just like your whole life begins to get very, for me, it was very tumultuous. So by the end of the road, I basically looked, I'm like, oh, you did the work somewhere for three years. Last year of it didn't really feel great. You know, you okay, go to Vegas. That'll get you six more months on this job. Oh, let's go on a vacation. That'll get you this, get a promotion. And then all of a sudden you quit. And then the next one happens. And then maybe that one's two years, two years. And then all of a sudden this last job, I was only there for one year. And I just noticed this shrinking window. And I was like, I don't even know who I am. I was 32 at the time. I don't know who I am. So why don't I figure out who I am and then see what that person wants to do. And while I'm figuring that out, I'll teach yoga. And somehow, you know, that little the little side thing I'll be doing on the side while I figure me out just was love of my life and the biggest passion that I have. I but, resonate um, with this. Sorry to cut you off. I just got excited because I resonate with this so much in terms of like allowing, like what I'm hearing is just permission to pivot. And I think for so many people that that is such a hard thing for so many reasons, because we have whole identities, um, you know, tied to our careers. And especially if you've had financial success for yourself and you're kind of known as someone who has made it quote unquote, and letting all of that go and going to a place where, you know, in your thirties, I mean, I was, I'm 35 now, I was 32 when I really started to like, I had a very successful coaching business and I still do have coaching clients, but I really started to struggle. Like it, it in COVID, I went from like $200,000 a year down to like, like really struggling just to um, make ends meet. And that has had me really pivot into, I still do coaching and I work with Zoe, but I have this whole other business that's an art business. And that feels like so aligned. But I personally, even knowing everything that I know, fought the pivot because of everything I had tied up in terms of my identity with a successful business that I had built for myself. And I want to know from you what aided, and maybe it was just not having a choice, but what aided for you in letting go of that previous identity, giving yourself permission to go from, you know, corporate financial success to like Bali yoga teacher. Hmm. It's a good question. Uh, it wasn't easy, um, is the starting point that I, that I would say it, it wasn't easy. And I do think there are a couple key humans that were in my life. The first partner that I had after my, my separation was actually in Bali with me. And this is probably a little, this might be a year after I quit my corporate job and I was in this yoga class uh, at a studio that I used to teach at. And there's a woman that comes in there. Her name is Megan Curry, really good teacher, but she's very feminine and has a large female following. So I'm just in this 
Then I had yet to really land my first job as like a, I'm a yoga teacher in Bali. I had left Bali after a couple of months and was back in London, but in her class, 80, 90 people in this class, 95% women. And even the men were like, okay, there's not men like me. And I remember being like, after that class, I was like, who am I kidding? Like, I'm not, no, I'm not, I don't look like a yoga teacher. This is not what yoga teachers look like. Who am I kidding? And I'm too different, um, which is coming back to even where we started off this conversation. And in that, my now ex-partner, uh, her name's Savvy, she said, no, we, the yoga world needs more different. They need you like don't give up and so that was one thing that still to this day really resonates with me in what helped me on continue on this path and then I had another friend who actually ironically I also met in London his name is Mark Laws uh, also a yoga teacher here in Bali and an incredible father and we had this conversation like not uh like we're gonna do a drop-in but just this innocuous being like Man, I call my like I literally call my mom at like three o'clock in the morning crying in Bali, like in 29 and beginning of 2019. I'm just like, ah, I'm coming home. I'm moving back to Monterey. I'm on salesforce.com's website looking for like a job where it's like, I think I <laughs> might be able to figure out how to like this seems like I got balanced enough. Like, let's just take a 50% pay cut versus a 95% pay cut. And I could just like, yeah, this will be fine. It's like I don't have to care that much in this job. It's just like it's an easy one. Um and he was just like, but what is, what is it, what is, what is it that's drawing you to this job or getting a corporate job again? And he's like, and basically the only answer was certainty. And he's like, okay, well, if that's certain, it'll certainly be there whenever you want it there. So why not just try the uncertain thing? Like, you know, the story, you know how the story works, you know, this will happen. And then this money goes in your account. And this is how the day-to-day -day goes like you, okay, that's known. That's certain. So why don't we try the uncertain thing and just see how that goes? And that's like, I, every time I say, what the fuck are you doing with your life, Chris? I actually remember that conversation. I'm just like, all right, you know that how the other story kind of goes. Let's keep creating this story. That's a beautiful, like, why not? Why not try the uncertain thing? What's the worst that could happen? You go back to the certain thing. That's the worst case. And when we think about because our ego that is protecting us, so certainty. So I love this. I'm going to bring in my, a little bit of my favorite. My favorite topics of yoga are centered around yin yoga and traditional Chinese medicine. So certainty is, um, is, is comfort. And our ego loves comfort. Like literally, it's just like, oh, certainty. I know this game. I know how it ends. Oh, I know where the dopamine hit comes from. And I got it all. But the problem is, is that sometimes we naturally want to digest. So di traditional Chinese medicine is based on digestion. Starts Starting with our stomach, what is digestion? Digestion is pulling nutrients out of what we eat and drink and literally peeing or shitting everything else away. So it just says, whatever you put in, there's some good we're going to extract. And then we're going to basically pump everything else out. And as it goes through, we're going to try to get as much goodness as we can before we literally poop it and leave it out. But the edges in life, things that are super edgy, that are uncomfortable, keep us from digesting life. So when something awesome happens in life, we attach ourselves to it. It says, yay, never want to let it go. So we're just going to hold on to it. And I use the analogy of like a breath. So an inhale, 
Do you guys like to inhale? I love to inhale. <laughs> um, but if I hold on to that inhale, I'm like, best inhale ever. And then, nope, I'm not going to let it go. It's too good. That's <laughs> I got to let it go. I got to let it go because I received the nutrients from that inhale. On the flip side of it, when shit sucks in life, what do we do? Be like, I'm going to do my best to forget about that. I'm going to pretend that that didn't happen. I'm just going to be like, eh, no. So that also then isn't honoring the digestion. We're not receiving any wisdom, nutrients, the whole everything happens for a reason line. Like we're not receiving any benefit or understanding of those specific events. So we aren't digesting it. Now to keep ourselves comfortable, especially when it comes to those negative things in life, to keep ourselves comfortable by trying to forget that they're happening or to avoid the discomfort of uncertainty, what do we do? We keep toxic shit in our life. So because the job is so certain, I, I know how this goes. I know they put this amount of work in. It's going to suck. That's going to be, that's not fulfilling. Uh, uh, uh. But I get the paycheck. I got the business card that says my name with director on it. Uh, I got our, my mortgage hasn't get, gets paid off. I can get a bottle of wine whenever I want to, whatever it is. So we are, we're, we're keeping something toxic in because it's certain and it's comfortable. And I just use the application of a job. I'm sure if you have not been in one, one of your friends has been in a relationship with a human being that fulfills that same thing. It's just like, oh, we've been together so long that I don't know if I'll find somebody else. And oh, all my family likes that other person. And it's like, it's certain. And that certainty keeps us in a toxic relationship. The relationship can be with anything. I love that. I mean, it's so, it's so powerful to think about too, just how we are always like reality is going to keep revealing itself in front of us. And we're, we have to maintain that presence or else we're always going to be attaching or resisting, attaching, resisting, attaching, resisting, and not allowing that wisdom to integrate like you're speaking to. Yeah. And the wisdom. So it's interesting. I actually read my friend gave me this awesome book. That's called the, the Tao of the Wu. It's basically written by the RZA from the Wu-Tang clan. And he's this epic philosopher, like the Wu-Tang clan are like some of like the smartest human beings in the world. Like some of them have like PhDs in physics while they're rapping and selling drugs back in their earlier days. So it's, they're super awesome, but they go through the pillars of Islam and it talks about the pillars of Islam go knowledge and then wisdom for knowledge is just memorizing data points. Ah, I heard this podcast, read this book, got a line, can recite that line, but to take the line and actually really bring it inside of us, not to embody it, but to bring it in and, and apply it to our life's experience or life's experience of people around us, then to use, be able to use whatever the knowledge was in your decisions now and into the future, that's what true wisdom is. It's not, I can quote it, but it's like, I can use it. I can feel it and help it support me in whatever my journey of life is. Yeah. Well, with this, with this speak of like certainty, uncertainty, like allowing life to flow, maintaining presence, because, you know, I reconnected with you, uh, just flowing through Europe, literally this summer, I know that you were on a similar journey of just letting your intuition guide you and just allowing yourself to flow with it. I love if you could just speak into what if any wisdom integrated for you this past summer, allowing yourself to just flow through your life. 
Man, so that had been an, an, an attempt of mine for quite a few years uh, was to travel more because I realized like, oh, as I'm flowing through life, I'm also like locking myself even before COVID, like locking myself down in Bali because it's like, oh, now I have to do the yoga teacher thing. And that means teach as many classes as you can. And I don't even so like 2020 was the year I was like, I had a list of things and it started off exactly like I planned. I taught two festivals. I did a teaching tour around um, Australia and then COVID hit. And basically I didn't travel for a long time. And I attempted to do like, we're going to do the yoga teaching thing in Europe in 20, what year are we in? 2023, 2022. And that didn't really <laughs> happen. And so it happened last year. And I think for me, the going with the flow was being like, how do you realize that there's things that you want to accomplish, even in this profession that is teaching yoga, but there's also just the exploration of life and when I to look back and I do a reflection back at the summer and think like, okay, there were solid things that I did in growing and being able to do what I love and share with the world and teaching yoga. And then there were a lot of L's. I went to Amsterdam, couldn't get one studio to let me teach there. And I'm just like, this is weird because the yoga you're teaching is kind of like, eh, it's like, a, it's okay. You know, it's not like, it's not, I go, did you ever go to Revolver Coffee in Bali, Zoe? Yes. Yeah. So it's not Revolver, which for me is the up here, but it's not Starbucks yoga. So it's like somewhere in the middle, but it's like, I should be able to, I should be able to teach here. Like you should want me to teach here. But then there was that finding the balance of being like, oh, well, how am I actually just living life and enjoying life and realizing like how, if you find that state of, of presence enjoyment and live in at least a semi mindset. This is an easier said than done thing, but live in a semi mindset of the idea of like, there's going to be enough somewhere. Like it might not be the enough that I think enough is in my head right now, but it'll be all good. Then you can actually, for me was I experienced the full spectrum of living this summer from, Hey, I had the best retreat that I've ever been a part of to follow it up. I had the worst retreat that I've ever been a facilitator at to, I had a great workshop to so then I had three places where they didn't even want to let me teach, but I just enjoyed the hell out of hanging out in Florence, eating a lot, hanging out in Amsterdam eating, partying and dancing a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, do, 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 do. Okay. I taught a class in Berlin, but I realized the beauty of it all was I got to experience the joy that was living life and all the things that I love that are part of it. And finding that balance of this is what I am supposed to be doing on this yoga teacher through Europe thing, but I'm enjoying the full spectrum of all of life. And I think that if I were to summarize, like life is full spectrum living. That's not the good or the bad, but I'm like, how are you doing? I'm like full spectrum. I got all the feelings, all the emotions. But if I try to like avoid one of them and I call that a bad emotion, like I'm trying to avoid sadness, I'm really just impacting my capacity to really be happy or joyful because you have to have, you can't say, let's avoid the bottom, avoiding the bottom caps the top. So that's like, mm. yeah, I'm not sure to do antidepressants for a short period of time. And my depression and anxiety was really high. And it was like, it just felt like, okay, I needed a release because I was so, uh, but as you release that bike tire and you are softening the low, you're also capping the high. So at some point, if you keep that, you just live this little like lukewarm bathtub 
life and ain't nobody like a lukewarm bathtub. Well, you've actually spoken a lot about, uh, like, I love what you're sharing there because I think it's so true and so powerful. And it wasn't even that long ago, like a couple of years ago that Zoe, you were like, I just remember having conversations where Zoe was like, I just want to be happy and live like a sunshiny life all the time. And I was like, so nobody's actually going to love that, like really enjoy that though, because you have to have the lows to have the highs. And she's like, no, I think I would like it. <laughs> just remember her being like, no, 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 like sunshine all the time. It would be perfect. I, I think I could do it. <laughs> like, Less but... my pre dark night of the soul. <laughs> all my spiritual bypassing that I didn't know that I was doing. <laughs> it, it's perfect. But I think speaking to it is really, really important. And, um, yeah. And, and changing your relationship with those like bad or negative emotions, um, is really what like true freedom is about. We've been talking about that a lot on here. So it's perfect that you mentioned that I did want to, um, come back to what you said, what we were actually talking about this before we got on, but you've mentioned it once, just the embracing of your different, because I think that this is something that, you know, I mean, the reason that none of us think we're quote unquote good enough is because, we don't embrace our different and we don't see the ways in which we're different as being what they are, which is a, a huge strength. But the reality is, is like, especially as an entrepreneur and I've coached hundreds of entrepreneurs, I know that the people that are truly successful are the ones that embrace just their own version or brand of, you know, weirdness in the best possible way. Like there's so much magic in that. And so I want to know, like, what has that journey looked like for you in terms of really holding back because you felt you were too different to actually starting to see it as a strength? And what would you suggest to someone who's maybe wanting to lead with more of their authentic self, but hitting some of the obstacles that you yourself have um, described? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. I just was reading this report that the current advertising budget for children advertising is $14 billion a year. So that means companies spend $14 billion to convince children that they need a thing. And wow. the best advertising is the advertising that says, you are not enough. You are not enough unless you have this thing. Yeah. You can even function unless you have this thing. I need you to go throw a temper tantrum in your room now so that you buy your mom buys you this thing. And so the reason that I, I'm reiterating that it's tough is that is the that's what's being pushed onto us before we even have a cognitive capacity to know not, not that we're enough, but even know who we are. So it's tough. And I think the hardest part of it which is is because our environment not only the advertising but our environment is so indicative so if you have human beings that are in your life that don't appreciate their uniquenesses it doesn't support you to enjoy and appreciate the uniquenesses that you have so our environment is so impactful in this and that's one of the joys that i have about bali even though at a certain point in certain areas it's like eh all you wanted to be different, but now you're just all the same kind of different <laughs> judge. But like, I see this doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to be the tall, goofy guy in the corner um, dancing with my eyes closed. So it's, it's all good. But I do think that there is, there has to be a belief that there is, and again, next to self-love, this is the next word that I do not use in 
a lot, but it, need, it needs to be said there. Do you believe in the abundance that is human connection? Because if you and when you believe that there is an unlimited supply of humans to connect with you, you stop giving a fuck about impressing the specific human being that's around you now. And this is the easier said than done if there ever was one. But if I am being me and the best me that I know how to be and I'm being unconditionally me, this is not give you permission to be an asshole. I do not like how speak your truth means be an asshole. That's not what we're talking about. But to truly be us. And if the person in your life can't accept that, then they will fade and someone will replace it, whether it's a human, whether it's a partner, whether it's a job, whether it, to be honest, to a certain extent, is like the family, the, you know, the family we're born to or the family we choose, all those different things. But the, for me, the most powerful thing is, is you have to improve your relationship with being alone. So this world that we live in, you know, we'll call, you've heard the word, oh, your vibration. Well, our vibration is literally comes down and you guys mentioned quantum physics. So I'm going to get super nerdy for just a little bit because I am an expert. Yeah. <laughs> so inside of us, we're full of a bunch of molecules and electrons are flying around the speed of light. So they're literally creating like a, uh, like an inner, an inner vibration. And when we, <laughs> so there is something in us that is like, that is a connection. So based on how we're vibrating, like literally the pull, our attraction, it means that there are certain things that are going to be more connected to it or disconnected to it, literally like magnets. But what happens is, is if we are changing ourselves to essentially try to vibrate at the frequency of somebody else, A, it's not true to us. And then we actually don't know who we are. So how do we begin to believe that if I let something go, because I'm being me, I will in this vastness that is planet Earth, the vastness that is the universe, I will attract the thing that I was meant to attract, whether it is a partner, you can call it manifestation, you can call it prayer, you can call it whatever you want to, but it is the belief that if I am me, unconditionally, shit might not feel good. I might have moments of being alone, but that is only then that I will actually truly belong. So in the pulsations that exist, these vibrations that exist, pulsations create things that come, it pulses closer and further. So inhale, expansion, exhale, contraction. So we have these pulsations and the pulsations back to what we were talking about, you were mentioning earlier with feelings. Oh, there is a pulsation of joy and sadness or happiness and sorrow. So the spaciousness one of attachment and closeness and connection, and then spaciousness, how do we have and improve our relationship with both of those? For, this is goes right into attachment theory, for if all of a sudden it's like, this feels good and I want to stranglehold it and never let it go. Well, guess what? I'm going to stay in connection because I have a fear of being alone. On the flip side of it, if all of a sudden, like I am so scared of being broken up with or somebody leaving me that I never want it. Now I'm actually in a place of spaciousness because I'm scared of losing something that's important to me. 
and I actually have this tattooed on my back before I knew this was a full concept of personal development, but I have a, a lone wolf and a set of pack wolves. And then I have a full moon and a and an owl. And for me, before I knew that this was a, a thing, it was always like, huh, I want wisdom to be my light in choosing the times in which I want to be a pack wolf or a lone wolf. And the pack wolf that wants to be a part of the pack because the pack fills them up. They have a role in the pack. They have a purpose in the pack. Beautiful. Awesome. Go be a pack wolf. To be a lone wolf because you're like, ah, you know, I need time by myself. I need to recharge my battery. Something wasn't serving me. That's using wisdom and ultimately an, ess an essence of self-love to go be a lone wolf. But if you're alone because you're scared of being rejected by the pack or you're in the pack because you're scared of being alone, then this pulsation's out of whack. So to rewind, fast forward, thank you for listening to the, the, uh, the Chris Walker ramble <laughs> is we, I, the number one thing for me was I was in London and I didn't date. I didn't have a lot of friends, but I found peace at being alone so that I knew that I could be alone. I didn't have to be in a relationship, in a friendship. I could just be me and be alone. And then that allows me to never compromise who I am, my authenticity, just to belong. I resonate so much with what you're saying, which, I mean, you've said a, a few different really golden nuggets in there, but essentially the idea that if, if like to really embrace being yourself, believing that by being yourself, you're going to attract the people that, you know, are really going to embrace it. And that can be really scary because we get so attached to specific people and trying to keep them in our lives. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, like, I was like single as fuck for like years and years, Zodos. And really like within a couple of months of meeting my now boyfriend, um, one of the biggest things I shifted was I, I really had this belief that I had to be like a certain version of myself in order to attract, you know, the kind of man that I wanted. And I got to this place where I was like, but even if I could figure out how to do that, it's not sustainable. Like if I'm not safe to be all of myself around my partner, but the same could be true about friends or clients or whatever, then this isn't sustainable and I don't want it. And the right person is going to be someone who receives all of me. And that might mean losing, you know, I mean, I wasn't seeing anyone at the time, but anyway, so it's like a letting go of trying to control anything and a giving yourself permission to be all of who you are and then creating space for the people that can hold all of that to come in. And like, that's, and that's exactly what happened to me. And also it's just so freeing to be like, it's safe to be all of me and the relationships that I have in any capacity can receive that and sustain that with me. And I'm not constantly in a fear that I might lose it if I don't, you know, show up as the perfect version of myself, you know, is that making sense? A hundred percent is. And that's where like this, like bullshit story of perfectionism. If yeah. I'm perfect, everyone will like me. Yeah. And guess that a, that's just not freaking possible. And as you mentioned, what you mentioned, one of the things I was in, I had a lover and then a, a partner that confused me of why I like them so much in the beginning. I'm just like, doesn't, I don't have the logical reason why this makes sense right now. Like, why is this so awesome? And what I realized is that this is, this applies to everything, but this is in the context of like a, a, a relationship, an intimate partnership is they were magnetizing. Like they were so them 
it was fucking beautiful to witness. And I just was like, like, it's not your hot, like, oh, I'm going to reach you this number, which my friend has very much worked on. I no longer wait room on numbers. That's been, not, that's not a thing, but it's not the like, oh, you're hot, like this one or that one, yeah. but it is like, you being you is so fucking beautiful. I'm like, I'm like mesmerized and it's like, it is magnetizing. And then for a human, for me to witness that in them and then them to feel the care that I have for them based on them just being them creates this beautiful like cocoon of epicness. And it's like, that's what fosters like true connection. And like the same thing could be, could, could happen with, um platonic friends as well but it is so beautiful it's that combination of you being you un unconditionally you and being witnessed in a, such a loving way while you're being you and it just is like it's such a win i call it a yay it's just a yay yeah uh, and I, so often i love that Sorry, I was going to just say so often that's the friendships that we attract, right? Because we feel safer to be seen for all of ourselves and our friendships. And like, that's something Zoe and I talk about all the time in terms of our friendship is like, we're both just so able to be our full selves. And that's why it's a, a prosperous relationship. And I know, Zoe, that's something you've done a lot of work on as well. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, I really love like hearing that from you, Chris, like hearing that from from the masculine as well, because I feel like perfectionism is such big part of my journey of shedding it all and it's like really in this last year I've decided to love all parts of myself like I we love and I did an episode in November which we've referenced like a couple of times when we speak more into like relationship dynamics but I always felt like I need to be the next version of myself so 2.0 let's say before there can be a partner coming in and it's so refreshing when you meet these people whether it's like friends or romantic connect connections that just welcome you to be exactly who you are and just express like that's just what the world wants more of the world just wants more permission to be exactly who they are and when you meet those people it's like a breath of fresh air or a sigh of relief because um similar just like hearing what you just said it's like of course we all just want to witness each other be our most authentic beautiful selves and just live in the present moment as that not hold anything back just fully be in that state of being so thank you yeah to be honest, I think it also, as you're sharing it, it also is the thing that has helped me, like, at a core, that's all I want is just to be me to be as a, me to be fully authentic and for people to witness that and care about that. And then I realized that I've also have the blockages in my head What I've created. This is what I think a partner should be. They should look like this. They should do that. And to also drop that and to feel in like I dated a woman for probably almost two years and it was so beautiful and because it was just like it never like there was not a point in which this logically made sense it wasn't illogical but it wasn't like oh it just happened and so it's like those two pronged things like how how, how are we actually not allowing the person are like not partially because we're not vibrating at our frequency we're not truly being us but then we also have a, a story in our head around oh this is too different this isn't what it's supposed to look like i need these boxes checked and those boxes are so bullshit and <laughs> all, all they're really doing is keeping us from really connecting like i have i run a program that's called helping women understand men uh the path to connection through curiosity is for me the number one thing that i see that impacts relationships 
from the women to men, I will let um, women help us men with them. Um, but it is the, the, once you think you know somebody, i.e. your partner, and then all, and then you lose curiosity. And because we're always changing, number one, there are definitive differences between men and women, number one. And with all those differences, this unique human being that's in front of you, can you be curious about what makes him the man he is versus you thinking that this is what you want or what you don't want? How do you be curious about that person? And only through curiosity can you grow deeper levels of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they're the same. Like when, if you're embracing yourself fully, then you're embracing other people too. We judge other people and we should them, especially in a relationship um, dynamic when we're judging ourselves or like, I know, cause that's something I've really embraced in my relationship is anytime I have some judgment or should I look at like, what part of me thinks this should be different in him? because it's not him. He's not the problem. Like he's wonderful. It's me who occasionally at this point, you know, has ideas about how things should look. And it's always some wound from the past that wants to try and control. It's, it's never actually the truth. And had I not had that awareness, I would have missed out on this relationship altogether because I would have been too, we actually spoke about this in our last episode. I would have been too judgmental of what it looked like as soon as we met rather than being curious about what it could become. And so I just really resonate with what you're speaking to. And I love hearing it from like the masculine perspective. And I also really invite women into what you're saying, Chris, about being curious about men. I think this narrative that you see way too much of on social media about how men are this and men are that, and it's this like witch hunt for men. It's, it's really, it makes me really sad. And, um, creates this mentality in so many women that does not serve them in finding the really wonderful men that of which there are millions of out there goes to like the whole idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy if you say there's no good men guess exactly. what good men because you literally can't even see the good in the men that are good around you and then the truly good men are like yeah why the fuck do i want to be around with this fucking aunt this negative ass person like they're like the good men yeah. that are there are just you're literally repelling them away. Um, I never ended up doing it, but I had three women that were in my field in Bali, one of two friends and a woman that I was actually uh, in a romantic partnership with. And they had the, they had so many friends that I would meet through them that were just like, oh, there's no good guys in Changu ways and polyamory and all, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, all oh, yeah. I was like, well, guess what? I'm a good guy. I don't even want to hang out with you as a friend. <laughs> But other three were like unconditioned. I'm like, hey, one of them's name is Yanni. I'm like, Yanni, how you doing? It's like, oh my God, it's amazing. I have so many beautiful, amazing, conscious men in my life. And my other friend was just like, oh, he's helping all these amazing men. I'm just like, there's something here. I don't, but this is the secret sauce of you. Like you're creating this thing that's around you because I've seen the opposite of it all the time but i only have these three glaring examples of these positive sides of it and it's just as like they just have a positive view on men and they're just amazing men on friends to lovers are just always in their life and i'm just like there's a there's something here that is a that is an available paradigm and my like mantra around men for like probably two or three years before i met my boyfriend was i'm surrounded by kind beautiful and available men and i 
And I looked for evidence of that. And I truly believed it. I still very much believe it. The world is full of them. And it's just so sad. Whenever I hear a woman say like, I hate men, I'm like, that is so sad. Like, you know, um, so I don't know, like hearing that from your perspective, I completely agree with you. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they are out there, but like anything in life, if you're going to be right about how it is, then that's the only thing that you're going to see a reflection of. Think about what you just said and not, not you saying it, but on behalf of those women, I hate men. Who on this fucking planet could <laughs> be wrong. Really, I hate you and then be like, I want to love you. Like that. <laughs> Exactly. Kind of masochist. So it's like you're just saying, I hate men, yet I want the amazing one that I've created in my head to love me while I'm hating him. And like that, that there's no logic, there's no comment, there's nothing about that that is like that sounds like a winning strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think often a, a pattern that a lot of I mean, people, it's on men's side too, of course. Um fall into is then looking for the one that's going to prove it all wrong. Like I'm going to be over here and be right about how everybody sucks, but I need you to come in and prove that you're the one exception. And they can't, they cannot win at that game because you've already stacked all the odds against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only do you stack the cards, it's just like, Oh man, there was some super cheesy movie that came out a long time ago. What was that? Oh, he's just not that into you. Do you guys remember that movie? That book really <laughs> fucked me up, actually. <laughs> Is it a book, too? It started as a book, yeah. And it was written by the guy who wrote Sex and the City. Um, and it, it it's like a self-help book about how, like, if he's not falling over himself, he's just not that into you. And honestly, like, that book <laughs> and a couple of others I read in, like, my early 20s really created belief systems that did lead to a lot of, like, when I was younger, needing men to prove that they liked me enough because he's just not that into you. Right. So like it it is a narrative that, sorry, I want to hear what you have to say about that. (laughs) Now I'm trying to think of, I have to like rewind what I I was listening to you. I'm like, what was I going to say about he's just not that into you? Oh, the movie. Not the fundamental principle of the book, but it was a specific thing that they were talking about in it, where it was like, you, you, you see a thing that happened like, oh, look how it worked for her. And you create her as the norm versus the exception. Like if it can happen to her, oh, she was in the relationship. Da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, but that was the exception. That also might just be a complete fairy tale of a relationship. But we're now creating a thing that happened to a person. And that a person might be in a freaking movie as the norm expectation of what we're looking for in a relationship. So it's like, oh, we've created the exception. Now is the rule. And we're going to now search for if it happened to them, it can happen to me versus allowing ourselves to just be in life. Coming back to where we started this, like to just be present. And if we're present with ourselves and we're present with the human beings that are around us, like the most beautiful, any beautiful connection can just, they're just there whenever we're ready. Yeah. And there's abundance of them. I like what you said about connecting, like, like the abundance of the human beings, the connections that are available to you that again, like you don't have to, to allow scarcity or lack to come into play there. If something's vibing, it's vibing and just be curious and follow where you feel led, even if it doesn't logically make sense or there's judgments presence and just 
allow the present moment to reveal itself, allow these connections to reveal themselves for everything that they can teach you. Yeah, like I take an, I, I just thinking of an example on even what your earlier question was about flowing through Europe. And I just look at our connections, just like, oh, like I had a awkwardly, you know, I probably didn't talk to one person in all of Florence that wasn't ordering pizza, pasta, or a glass of wine from. And it's just like, oh, like there's like a, hmm, oh, am I, should I go download fucking Bumble right now? And like, try to find myself like a date, like, what should I do? Because it's like, oh, like, I'm just alone in this city. And I'm just like, and then I'm like, uh, food's awesome. History is awesome. Um, scenery is awesome. Oh, and there's some yoga, like, I'm fine. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, even if we're just like, what a third, like a five minute conversation, you meet someone after yoga and have a little chat. And now here we are, but it was at no point was I like, upset or truly like changing my flow because like there was something I needed or was supposed to have and then you just find how like even if they're just for a moment like oh that was a nice conversation with a with a technically not a stranger but kind of a stranger all at the same time and you're just like oh that was nice and it's just like that can be that can be enough like we don't need all the other things that we create in our head and these are just every moment of every day, there can just be one casual conversation or connection that you never know where they lead if we're open to it. Exactly. I feel like this is a good place to wrap. I mean, I feel like we could go talk on and on forever, Chris, but we want to be respectful of, respectful of your time and all of our time zones <laughs> that we're navigating right in this moment. But this has been so special. And just thank you for sharing what's on your heart to share. That's always so important for us. And thanks for being vulnerable. And um, yeah, just speaking about the important things in life. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, where can we find you online? And is there anything you're up to right now that our audience should know about specifically? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Chris Walker official. And you can also find my website is walker-way.com. And that is the essence for me of everything that I do. It's like, I, when people used to have what style of yoga to teach, I was like, ah, I just teach the Chris Walker way. And I look to teach and coach the Chris Walker way because that is knowledge came into the Chris Walker head. And then wisdom is the Chris Walker wisdom because that's that's all we really know how to do is create our own wisdom to not just copy what, what else are out there. So it's like, I don't teach people yoga to copy me in yoga. I say, here is, here's the Chris Walker way how do you walk your way? So mm -hmm. we have the walk, help you walk your way. Um, and then the first product of that, which is not on the internet, but is available is called the remix where each one of us is living a song. And that song is the story of our life. And sometimes when we're so deep into living or we're too zoomed in, we don't hear the song. We don't hear the lyrics. It's just on repeat. And so for me and the people uh, for in my one-to-one -one program is to basically be able to be the producer to the song that's the story of your life so that at any moment you actually can begin to produce your remix. Your remix might be super similar to your current song or it could be something completely different, but we all have the power to be the producer to the song that is the story of our life. That is, I love that. <laughs> so cool. I love that like, just, I mean, I, I help people create programs and courses online as a coach, like I'm a business coach. And so the perfect like name for a, a program, I'm like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> so remix. So if people are interested in that, cause that's not online yet, can they just message you on Instagram or email you? Me on Instagram at Chris 
at walker-way.com is my email address, but yeah, Instagram, email, all those are, those are, those are the, wow. are the, uh, the avenues of connection. Amazing. Well, we'll put all of that down below for you guys so you can check it out. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Chris. This was yeah. so awesome. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you guys so much for spending a piece of your day with us and tuning in to The Low and Zo Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate it and share on social media. Be sure to tag us. Until next time, stay abundant.